the other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Coming up in a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity to sound off on last night's gubernatorial debate. I did get a chance to listen to it. I thought it was really interesting. It exceeded my expectations. I'll get into why in uh, just a moment, but I'd really love to hear your take, especially if you have a take that's a little out of the ordinary and outside of conventional wisdom. 800-848-WABC. Obviously, Dominic Carter just spent an hour on it. Rita Cosby spent almost two hours on it, and those guys are much more experienced and much more intelligent than I am, as you know, if you listen to me and them. That's why I'd like to focus on your analysis rather than mine, particularly if it's something a little unusual or a little bit different from what you'll hear on the rest of uh, the media today. But the interesting thing that uh, I think Lee Zeldin did quite wisely was keep the focus on crime. And if you had any doubt, as to the fact that the uptick in crime in New York is real and not a matter of perception, you need only to look at what occurred on Staten Island yesterday. There was a shooting outside of the high school that I went to. Tottenville High School, which is pretty much a bucolic neighborhood. I mean, as much as any neighborhood within New York City can be bucolic, it's still walking distance from where my mom lives now. And in the middle of the day, not at night, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, a 14-year-old boy was shot in the leg after finishing classes while waiting outside the school for a sports practice to begin. He's a freshman at the school. Now, Thankfully, his wounds were not life-threatening, but this is a parent's worst nightmare. You think that if there's one place that uh, a student should be safe, it's in school. We've covered a lot of the uh, school shootings that have taken place. This wasn't that. This appears more likely to be some sort of gang activity, but the person that was shot wasn't even apparently the intended target. Again, we don't know very much information, but this was apparently somebody that was shot by accident, which in some ways makes it even more scary. You always warn your son or your daughter, but especially your son, don't get involved with the wrong crowd. Don't do drugs. Don't do this. Stay away from the unpleasant element because you might get hurt. Here's someone that, by all indications, was not involved with the wrong types of people and still got shot. Police are looking for a group of five males who fired approximately seven shots. This is the middle of the afternoon on the south shore of Staten Island in the direction of the victim. At this point in the investigation, police believe the young athlete was not the intended target. I hope they catch these guys, but I think this underscores the fact that crime in New York City is in a very scary place. And irrespective of your politics, we've got to figure out something to do about this. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Usually I try to focus on local issues here or share an interesting story or something along those lines. But I'll tell you, one of the things that stuck with me the whole day is the news that Former Secretary of Defense Ash Carter died on Monday after suffering a heart attack. Now, I had uh, no special fondness or dislike for uh, Secretary Carter. I viewed Carter kind of the way that I view most 
people in the Pentagon and most uh, secretaries of defense, which is I admire the fact that they're so willing to give to their country and to dedicate the bulk of their life to public service, especially at a time when they could be doing other things that are more lucrative. However, I do tend to think that there are a lot of special interest forces at play, namely the military-industrial complex, which really tends to call the shots when it comes to defense policy. But Carter served as the uh, Secretary of Defense under President Obama. He was involved in national security, technology, and innovation, both with from within the government and in academia for more than three decades. Struck me as a very likable guy, and after leaving public service, he led the Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. A very keen student of history, a brilliant physicist, and a big supporter of our men and women in uniform. He served presidents in both parties with a great deal of distinction, and there was some very nice remarks put out by both President Obama and President Biden about him. On weekends, Ash Carter and his wife Stephanie would quietly visit wounded warriors at Walter Reed. He did this out of the spotlight, didn't look for press attention on it, didn't send out press releases about it. And I think that said a lot about his personal integrity and the sense of duty that distinguished him throughout his life. And that was one of the things that was cited by President Biden in his remarks remembering Ash Carter. But the thing that uh, really I took note of more than anything else is the fact that 68 years old really is so young. Maybe I never viewed 68 as young when I was super young, but it really is in the grand scheme of things. I mean, you're really in the prime of your life at 68. And if you think about it, it really gives you an appreciation for how precious life is and how it could could all be over tomorrow. Enjoy it while you can, cherish it while you can, and it causes me to think of how I'm spending the limited amount of time that we all have on this earth. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. There has been a great deal of attention paid to the New York City workers who were fired because of their refusal to get vaccinated. Well, yesterday, a really interesting decision from a Staten Island Supreme Court justice by the name of Ralph Porzio, who I actually know. He wrote in a decision that the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for municipal workers was enacted illegally and employers who were fired for refusing to comply with the mandate must be immediately reinstated with back pay. This applies to probably some of you. More than 1,750 city workers who were fired for refusing to get vaccinated, including 36 members of the NYPD and more than 950 Department of Education employees. In his 13-page ruling, Judge Porzio said that the order from the former city health commissioner violates the separation of powers doctrine enshrined in the state constitution. It is interesting, Porzio in his order ordered that all these people have to be back on the city payroll by Tuesday, working again, getting paid again, and getting their back pay. 
The city and the city's law department is appealing this. Now, the way it works is when the city appeals, that automatically puts a stay on the lower court's order, and that means these people will not necessarily be put back to work on Tuesday. This is going to have to go to the appellate division, and I imagine it's going to have to go all the way to the New York State Court of Appeals, which is our version of the U.S. Supreme Court, the highest court in the state. You ask yourself, President Biden has said the pandemic is over. Governor Hochul has shown no interest in making people wear masks or anything like that. Why would the city be appealing this? I think this is all about a precedent for the future. The pendulum has been swinging more towards the vaccine freedom direction, and I think the city is appealing because the back pay and the lawsuits that will follow will be more expensive than the appeal. Because you think about it, all these fired workers can then bring civil suits and make money, and the city will have to defend all of those civil Civil suit. So I imagine this will go all the way up to the Court of Appeals. I just wish Mayor Adams would let this one go. Let these fired city workers come back. Blame your predecessor. Say, look, uh, our predecessor made the best decisions at the time with the information that he had. Now that we see what has happened with the pandemic and how the city has gotten past this, we want to welcome everybody back through a spirit of healing. And unfortunately, we haven't heard that from the mayor. So uh, good for you, Judge Porzio. I think it's a fine decision. I know Judge Porzio listens to this program from time to time, but uh, I do wish we'd see some more leadership from the mayor on this. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't think of touching that radio dial. Last week, we were talking about how New York City is adding Diwali to its school calendar. And I brought up the question, how do you determine which religion should get holidays and which ones shouldn't? Well, New Jersey is now dealing with this same question. Clifton Superintendent Danny Robertazzi has a big complaint, which is that the school year is just too long. Parents email him to complain that his district's end date, June 23rd, is too late for kids to still be in school. Some say it's too hot. I think they're right. Others say the late end date is interfering with college-bound seniors, but the superintendent says he might have a solution. He wants to eliminate the district's non-federal religious holidays, including Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Diwali, and Eid al-Fatir. That would allow Clifton schools to get out of school earlier in June. Clifton is just the latest school in New Jersey to grapple with these complicated questions about which religious holidays to keep on the school calendar and which ones to nix. As the state's school population gets more racially and ethnically diverse, some holidays have gained more visibility and more traction. Many school districts are also under pressure from parents and teachers to condense the school year or group days off into longer winter and spring breaks so that students have less scattered one-day holidays throughout the year. The state's school religious holiday list ranges from the typical to the less known, including Maban, which is a pagan holiday that celebrates the autumn equinox. So should we give kids off for Maban? Why or why not? The Zarowithist Diso, in which Zoroastrians commemorate the death of their prophet, or the L. Ron Hubbard birthday, which is a big holiday for Scientologists. But districts are largely left to make their own calendars approved by the school boys. I know some people bristled at this suggestion, but I really do think that this superintendent is onto something here. Maybe the solution is to do away with giving children the day off for religious holidays. If you're an adherent to one of these religious 
religions? Absolutely. You should take the day off without fear of penalty. But I don't see the value in giving Christians off for Diwali or giving Hindus off for Rosh Hashanah. And I know there's some school staffing issues with respect to teachers and administrators that this probably raises. Let the children choose which holidays they want to take. What should be the threshold for getting a holiday? What percentage of the student body should have to adhere to a religion in order to get the day off? These are questions we're going to continue to explore in the future. Beam me up! To be continued. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.